Let's pray. Um, Father, thank you so much, Lord, for, for Christmas. Lord, thank you that we get to celebrate you. I pray, Father, that as we look at your word this morning, that you would speak to our hearts. I pray, Father, that we would, in a, in a world where there's so little peace, that we would find the peace that you bring into our hearts. In a world with so little love at times, Lord, that we would find your love shed in our hearts. And, uh, and I pray, Father, that, um, that we would also realize the great joy that we can have in you. We pray that you would have your way with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We've been doing um, a series through Advent. So we had Philip share on the love of God and just that, you know, our identity being found in his love. And he talked about how God the Son came to earth just like if you had, you know, a colony of ants and you wanted to communicate with them, you would, you know, you wanted to become an ant in order to connect with them. God became man. Then we looked at the necessity, the reason for the incarnation. We looked at three um, reasons for it, and we will continue with that today. And then last week, Chris shared with us on the blessing of being curious. The, the wise men were curious and pursued God, and as they pursued, they were overcome by joy. And then he spoke to us about the power of these kings or wise men coming from different parts of the world, the power of bowing down to Jesus. And today we want to look at part two of the necessity. Why did Jesus, why did God, why did the second person of the Trinity come to earth? And it is important as we navigate through this Christmas, I want to reiterate it, uh, that we have a proper perspective. Jess prayed about the restlessness in the world. We have a war in Ukraine. We have a war in Gaza. There's, there's uh, terrible things going on. And it is, it is impo important that we have a proper perspective. Christmas is not about perfect circumstances but about God working his plan through imperfect circumstances. Mary's Christmas, Mary meaning the woman Mary, not like Merry Christmas. Mary's Christmas was filled with joy, peace, and expectation, but it was also full of discomfort, poverty, rejection, danger, and even legalities. They had to go to, from Nazareth down to Bethlehem because they had to register themselves to pay taxes. Maybe you have tax problems here today. But the joy and peace that came into Mary's life had nothing to do with the circumstances, had everything to do with what God was doing. And we saw that the reasons, three other reasons, for the, for the incarnation of, 
Jesus, for God coming in the flesh, would one, to fulfill promises. God is a faithful God. Number two, it reveals, it revealed who God is. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And also, it revealed him and, and, and made him into a, a sympathetic high priest. He's able to empathize and feel the things that we feel as we go through life. But we have a couple more reasons for the incarnation. Why did Jesus come? And another reason why Jesus came was to take away, it was necessary for Jesus to come to take away sin. When John the Baptist, actually, uh, when, he, when Jesus came into the scene and he had grown up, John the Baptist looked at Jesus as he was baptizing people and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And here in, in Luke chapter 1, sorry, I, I forgot about Luke chapter 1, but in, uh, in verse 46, Mary explodes with my soul magnifies the Lord. Her, she was overwhelmed by, by this thing that was going on. And, and, and one of them, obviously, is it's that taking away of sin. Sin is... It literally means to fall short of, to miss the mark. It's like if you were an archer and you, you hit for the bullseye and then it doesn't really hit the bullseye. It, it doesn't hit the 10. It hits the 9 or it hits the, the 8 or it hits the 1. You don't really hit the mark. That's what sin is. Sin is that the, the, there's a perfection that man was to live, was to have. God gave Adam and Eve the choice of, of all the trees, but they were not supposed to eat of the one tree. And through that, we inherited a nature that has fallen short of everything that God intended for us. And when, G when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. When we think about sin, we don't just think about sins of commission. A sin of commission is when, when you know something's wrong and you do it anyway. But he, he came to take away not just sins of commission, but actually sins of omission. Sins of omission is when you know what the right thing to do is and you choose not to do it. But the good news is that God knowing our weakness, knowing that he is holy, knowing that he is pure, knowing that he is unapproachable by us. And, and at the garden, Jesus at the garden said, Lord, if there be any other way for this, for, for, um, for this Lord, for, let this cup pass from me. If there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. And what he was saying, if there would be any other way for you and I to be reconciled to God, spare me the cross. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he went to the cross. The incarnation of Jesus 
was necessary for he alone could put away sin. Hebrews 9.26 says, Now once, now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And in Colossians 2.14, it says, Jesus wiped out, blotted out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing in it, over them in it. And it is a great debt. It is a great, you know, there, there's a, there, we have a huge problem in our heart. And it was necessary for Jesus to come to wipe that problem out. I don't know about you guys. The older I get, there are more mistakes I have behind me. The other day I got in an argument with my son and I said a terrible thing to him. I mean a terrible thing to him. I mean, no father should say that to their child. I mean, I'll, well, I'll tell you what I said. Listen, it wasn't a cuss word or anything, but I mean, I was so upset. And I just said to him, Jonathan, you are crap. And then I said, no, you're not. I said, no, you're not. I said, you have so much potential. You're such a you're such a smart kid. You're such a deep kid. You're such a, you're a reader. I mean, you're growing, you're developing. I just, it's just sad that you keep going down to crap. Being pulled down. But what I said to him was wrong. And the best thing that I could do is say that I was wrong. And it wasn't just wrong towards him. It was also wrong, wrong towards God because he gave me him. You see, when we adopted Jonathan, he said, uh, when we adopted Jonathan, they, 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 um, they called us up and said, we have a boy for you. And I was so excited. Loretta came in. It's like, they have a boy for us. And then they said to me, uh, his name is Jonathan, which means gift of God. And then you got to think, God gives me a gift of a young boy to nurture, to love, to raise, to be patient with, to be kind to. And then I said, you're crap. So I didn't just do wrong to Jonathan. I did wrong towards God. What do I do with that? I mean, of course, I can just go as I go, well, it all sort of levels itself out. We all make mistakes. Yeah, but what do we do when we deal with a, with a holy God, when, uh, uh, with a perfection? We've all fallen short. And we all have different, I told you, uh, uh, one with my child, but I mean, I have, a, I have quite a stuff, plenty, every day. Every day. What do I do? 
You see, Jesus came to save us from the penalty of sin. He died on the cross and he wiped away the handwritten. You know, it's almost like the, if the, the, the Hacienda people come, the tax people come, no matter who you are here, if Hacienda wants to get you, they'll get you. They'll find something in your record that can get you in trouble. Why? Because we cannot possibly keep everything perfectly in order. There will always be something wrong. And if they investigate, But Jesus, when he was on the cross, he says, it is finished. And what he meant, it is finished. The payment for the debt of our wrongdoings, our omissions, our commissions, that was nailed there. So therefore, I can go with confidence to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry I messed that up. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry, Jonathan, I said that. And you know what? We are clean. We are washed away by what he did on the cross. So the incarnation, his coming to earth, was there in order to wipe away the debt. This is so real to me that when my dad was passing away in German, in Greece, he left me when I was five. He went with a German lady, no bitterness towards Germans, but uh, he was with, he, he left to Hamburg, lived there many years with her, he, uh, she, her parents had a crash, a uh, car accident and died and she could not handle it. She dumped them. Then he, uh, she en he ended up going to Greece on a holiday, fell in love with a Greek later, lady, brought her to Hamburg. Then they moved to Greece and then he was dying of cirrhosis. The alcoholism, the drinking just completely saturated his life. Um, his liver was gone. I took him out of the house. I put him in a hospital. He said, you are the worst son I've ever had. And I said, yes, but I'm also the best because I'm your only child. <laughs> he, you know, and I said, dad, if anyone has messed up and know it, it's you. And I didn't say it in a bitter way, in a condemned way, in any, I wasn't trying to just be uh, um, malicious towards him. No, 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 no. I, I was, it was like a doctor, dad, if anyone knows that they've done wrong, it's you. You left mom, you went with her, then you went with the other. Now the one you have, you're with, you hate her. I've never seen anyone in the hospital looking at someone with such hatred. I say, you hate her. And now you wish you would have never left us and you wish you were with your first love, which was my mom. You should see their wedding pictures. Most beautiful couple I've ever seen. 18-year-olds. And I said, Dad, you have a debt to pay that you will never be able to pay. You could try to pay it. Or you can receive the payment that Jesus made. Do you want help or not? And to my surprise, my dad said, yes. And so that day we prayed together. We prayed for the Lord to come into his heart, to wipe away the sins as east as far from the west. And I had the best three days of my life with him. We were reading, 
we were reading Acts and he would be like, that's in there? Oh, yeah, that's in there. Oh, my goodness. That's in there? Yeah, that's in there. And it was an amazing. And then at one point, I thought he was going to get better. And then, boom, I went, to, I went to the house. And when I came back in the morning, he had passed away. But he had passed away having received the very payment that wiped, I mean, that, that wiped away every single sin in the past, in the present, in the future. Saved from the penalty of sin. Jesus had to come for that. Number two, the incarnation was necessary to destroy the works of the devil. To overcome um, and, and, and set man free from the power of the devil. Now there's some they're probably thinking, oh my goodness, the devil. What? And you know, some people overemphasize the devil. I've had people say, open the window. And, and every day they open the windows of the house and, ask, and, and, and cast out demons out. I think that's a bit over the top. And I think others pretend like there is no devil. And I, and I, I just, I think that's over the top. Adam was created sinless, innocent, living in a perfect environment. And set, Satan appeared to Adam and Eve and seduced them to disobedience. And Jesus obeyed perfectly the law of God. What we could never do, he did. And by doing so, he destroyed the works of the devil. Listen to these verses, John 12, 27 through 33. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that in, it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. And Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. And then notice what he says. Now is the judgment of this world. And sometimes you'll get pastors and they're like, and God's going to judge and he's going to come to judge and he's going to come to judge. But look what the judgment is. Now is the judgment of this world. The ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. To destroy the books of the devil. My, so last week uh, on Tuesday, I, 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 I took this amazing drive. I told you guys that Loretta and the kids are in Italy. So I drove my kids and, and, and Loretta to the airport and everyone's like, oh, how are you gonna do when you're by yourself? Well, I did just fine. <laughs> I went home, I got on the sofa, and I took the nicest nap you can imagine. You know, I was just like, Arden, oh, he's not here. You know, just like, I was just so happy. Um, <laughs> but I did what I don't get to do that often nowadays. I, I don't get to watch a two and a half hour movie. By the time the kids are in bed, I'm too tired to watch anything, you know? And so, but I got to watch, and I watched the movie, the Lincoln movie, Abraham Lincoln movie. 
Oh my goodness, if you get to watch it, it's unbelievable. And, um, and so it's about the 13th Amendment of the United States to abolish slavery. And, uh, and on December 6, 1865, uh, they passed uh, the law where no longer was it legal to have slaves. And all of a sudden, after that law was passed, every single slave in the United States was free. Free from oppression. Free from tyranny. Free from humiliation. And then the news spread through word of mouth, through Union soldiers and officials that would go into the towns, through public declarations, through local leaders, and through newspapers and publications. But the news that was going out throughout the United States of America is you no longer need to be a slave. You are free. And I wonder sometimes in the world, you know, in North Korea, King Jong-un's dad, there was a famine in North Korea, and he made the people believe the sawdust, that sawdust, that sawdust was nutritious. Is the complete oppression. And then the, 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 the incarnation of Jesus was important because he came to set us free from the tyranny of the devil, the accusations, the bondage, the shame, the seductions that lead to hard labor camps, not literal, but cages inside of us. Fear, anxiety, guilt, shame, lust. That when we look back, we just see slavery. Well, Jesus came to set us free. And sometimes, particularly all of us, but particularly you young, young guys, all these young people, you know, sometimes we think of freedom like my friend. My friend, uh, and I used to think like that, our freedom was to do whatever I wanted. And my friend was high as a kite on, on marijuana and he took his Jeep and he drove it to Calaguya Beach and he, and, and Calarajada and then he drove into the water, opened the doors and he says, this is freedom. No, no, you just ruined your car. <laughs> and in the movie, I don't know if Abraham Lincoln said this, but in the movie, he said this, if we submit, even to submitting, losing our freedoms, the freedom to oppress, for, for instance, we may discover other freedoms previously unknown to us. 
You understand that? I mean, sometimes we just are holding on to our freedom so tightly that they lead to misery, where if we would let go of some freedoms, we might find other freedom freedoms that are amazing. And sometimes we are like the like like the monkeys in Africa. You know how they hunt monkeys in Africa? They grab coconuts and they put a little hole big enough for the hand to go in. Sad. But they put these little treats in the coconut. And so the monkey goes and puts his hand in the coconut and then he grabs the treat. But as he clenches the fist, the hand is too big to come out. And so then they, the, the hunters, they go and, and surround the monkeys and the monkeys tries to run, try to run up a tree, but they have no grip. And the only reason that monkey can't get away and climb up a tree is because they will not let go of the tree. So their freedom to hold on to it, to it is their very trap. And Jesus has come to give us freedom. Jesus said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And it is a wonderful privilege to walk with him and to walk in th in with him. I mean, the only thing I've experienced from the devil is accusations, seduction, shame, slavery. What I've experienced with, from Jesus has been sanity, dignity, love, joy, peace, forgiveness, cleansing, hope, righteousness, mercy. I mean, you can just go on and on and on. The incarnation was necessary also that we might have a perfect example of the kind of person that pleases God. As Jesus was baptized, it says that a voice came from heaven, says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. The verse that I read to you earlier, uh, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Imagine, imagine if with Jonathan, I would have been gentle and lowly instead of just lashing out like I did. Not only do I have forgiveness, but we ha I have an example in Jesus that he is gentle, that he is lowly. But he sets an example for me and how to trust God in the midst of difficult circumstances. I mean, think of Jesus. Just, just walk trusting his Father throughout earth. Loving. Even when he got angry in the temple, it was out of love for the people. It's, he's a great example to, to, to trust to go 
to trust to stay, to trust to endure, to trust to suffer wrongfully. Incredible experience of what even, I mean, it doesn't matter what religion you talk about. I mean, you, you can talk about Hinduism. Jesus is one of them, or one of the, the what they would consider, one of the, the their, their gods, you know, and, and you could look at uh, Muhammad and he's got Jesus there as the sinless one. And, 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 and I mean, obviously, we, 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 in Christianity, we have the Jesus of, uh, of the Bible. We have the, the incarnate Jesus, which is in contrast with everything. But the whole world realizes, even if they just think that he's a good example, that he's a good example. Yes, we get And Lincoln in his in his speech. Sorry, I'm pumped up with the movie. Let's <laughs> you watch more movies. But Abraham Lincoln says the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The judgments of the Lord are are true and righteous altogether. And he says, with malice toward none, with charity for all, with with firmness in doing what's right, as God gives us to see the right. Let us strive on to finish the work we are in, to bind uh, the nation's wounds, to care for those who bore the battle, to care for the widow and his orphan, and to all which may achieve and cherish just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all the nations. I mean, this Charity, malice towards none. Charity to everyone. And firm in doing what is right and just. And coming from Jesus is our example. That's where it comes from. I mean, when did he have malice, Jesus? On the cross while they're killing him. He says, forgive them for they know not what they do. And yet he was firm in doing what is right. And finally, Jesus' incarnation was important and necessary, and it was preparation for his second coming. The fact that the promises of his first coming came to pass gives us confidence in that he's going to come in his second coming. And in Romans 8.21, it says, well, let's turn there. I mean, I, let, me, let me turn there. Eight. This, this has always been a stake for me. And what I mean by that is, you ever hungry? I, I don't eat breakfast. I, I just, it, it ruins my day if I eat breakfast. It's a weird thing, but that's just the way it is. I get really tired, exhausted, and so I skip breakfast. By the time lunch comes, by the time 11 comes, I'm kind of hungry. But sometimes I'll skip even lunch if, I, if I'm busy because I cannot, I can't focus if, if I eat. And then, but then, so once, if, if I don't eat breakfast or lunch and then I'm, I'm shooting for dinner and, and you have a barbecue going, I mean, you could just have coals on there. My mouth will begin to water. But then you put the steak on with the fat. 
and all of a sudden your whole body reacts. You know, you're you're just like you're you you start having more saliva. You know, just like, and 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 these verses are that for me. You know, in my soul, it says, "For I consider verse eighteen." that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Not only that, but we also who are the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Oh my God. That's the hope, the hope in the coming of Jesus, redemption, transformation. And, and you know, before I said that he, he saves us from the penalty of sin, but he, he saves us from the power of sin, giving us liberty. But then one day, the amazing thing that I look forward to is that he will save me from the presence of sin. In other words, in my own life, every single day, there's a tendency, not in everything, but to do wrong. The, the example I like to use all the time is when Brenda once, she gave me an envelope with, she gave me, I think it was 2,000 pounds in it. You know, she gave me an envelope with 2,000 pounds with a card. And I open it and I go, wow called Loretta. I said, Loretta, Merry Christmas. We got 2,000 pounds. And Loretta goes, if you would read the card, you would realize it's for church. <laughs> In that moment, the thought came to me. Who's going to know? It's reality. And it grieves me. So we went out for a nice meal. No, just kidding. <laughs> I called, I called Andrew. I called Andrew right away. Oh, where, where's Andrew? Is he here? Oh, there he is. With the Santa, <laughs> Santa hat. I called Andrew and I said, Andrew, Brenda just gave me uh, some, a check for 2,000 pounds for the church. And immediately, temptation was removed. But it's a reality. We have hearts. We have hearts. And I just long for the day where the utter redemption happens, where even those thoughts will not be there. And finally, Philip on the love of God. He loves us. He loves us when we do good. He loves us when we do bad. He loves us when we're at church. He loves us when we're not at church. He, he, he loves us unconditionally, and that should be our identity. Chris, 
the curiosity and discovery that draws us to look into Jesus, which in turn with the angels, they were overcome or, uh, with joy. The wise men were overcome with joy. And then when they were overcome with that joy, they actually, the power and the wisdom and the humility to bow down to that little baby that will be the king of the world, the king of the universe. And today the reasons, the reasons why he came. He came to accomplish things for you. For every single one of you to fulfill promises for you, to reveal the Father to you, to forgive you, to set you free from the devil. And so that's what I meant when we talk about Christmas. It's okay to buy gifts. It's okay to have meals. It's okay to have Christmas trees. I think that is wonderful. Arden celebrates Christmas from, Je from December 26th until December 25th. I mean, every day for him, it seems like it's Christmas. It's okay to have all that. But listen, it's so much more than that. It's so much more. And I would love for you this morning to leave this place overtaken by joy. And in your heart, that your heart will bow down to the King, to Jesus. And that you would be able to say to him, Lord, I didn't realize it was all this. And I want to know you and I need your forgiveness and I need your redemption and I need your revelation and I need your hope and I need you to set me free from the traps that the devil has put upon my life. I want to experience true freedom in my life. And the amazing thing is that he will do that for you. Should we pray together? And I want to ask you, you know, maybe it's your first time at church, just in your heart, just ask Jesus directly. That's the amazing thing. He is the living God. We're able to go to him. He hears our prayers, intimate prayers. And he does beyond and above anything we could ask or think. So let's pray together. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just want to pray for just anybody in this room that does not know you, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would break through with your love and your joy. I pray, Father, that you would kindle a curiosity that it is unquenchable, that it just will not rest until it finds its rest in you. I pray that we would realize just the greatest gift in the world, the necessity of you coming to earth was huge. And I pray, Father, this morning that you would 
send the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of that, in the knowledge of the hope of your calling, the fact that we are your treasure, the fact that you came to buy us with a price, with your precious blood, so that we would experience love, identity, freedom, transformation, intimacy, cleansing, blessing, peace, forgiveness. Father, keep us from a, a view of the Jesus in a little church. Help us to see the Jesus of the universe. And this morning, if you do not know him, pray in your heart. I'm going to give you a, a few minutes. Just in your own heart, just say, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to be set free. I didn't realize how necessary it was that you came. Forgive me. Set me free. Transform me. So, Father, we... I'm just so grateful that you're the living God. And I pray for anyone that just prayed a genuine prayer in their hearts, Lord, that, that from today on, their life will become a discovery of you. That it will not be a burden of rules. That it will be the the privilege, Lord, of your Spirit working in us. Drawing us close in fellowship with Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.